Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss and Kevin. Your friendly neighborhood queers. Let's, Let's dive. dive. about that one i felt very good about yeah that. yeah yeah i felt yeah. real good about it it was so good it's like the best i feel the goodest about it Ugh. the goodest so so happy good. episode 23 miss that's happy been 20, 23 hmm, that's been 23 weeks that's really surprising it's a larger number of weeks it truly is and and i'm so proud of us yeah <laughs> so how how's how has the past seven days of your life oh this struggle bus is chugging along well at least it's chugging along and it's not broken down on the side of the road can no. i get an amen amen no you're right you're right you're right uh i you're right everything is good Nothing, nothing new. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like alcohol, like first time in like How a long time. How did that feel? Um, it felt fine until today <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when it didn't. Um, but I poisoned myself um, and I didn't eat. And Ooh. so it's like your worst 17 year old nightmare was oh, up God. in this house. Yeah. So we survived. We will live to die another day. Sure. Can't ask for more. Um, and I think that's it for me and the sauce. Nice. What about you? I did something that I've never done before that was pretty gay of me. Anal? And never done before. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed it. Mrs. Kevin went out and participated in a nude model portrait class. I was not the model. You, right? You could be. You should be next time. Yeah. Um, you did tell me about this, and you sent me your your drawings, and it was wonderful. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. In fact, good. it's been so long since you have drawn, hasn't it? It's been a hot second since I picked up any kind of anything artistic. So this has been, that was fun. And I'm definitely going to do it again. Don't let the show hear you that you haven't done anything artistic. This show is very artistic. There couldn't be more art in this show if I painted while I spoke. Well, you are not wrong because podcast (laughs) encompasses so many artistic media. Including talking out of your ass, public speaking. <laughs> yes, same diff. <laughs> same diff. Entertainment. 
Entertainment for sure. That's the highest. The highest. Absolutely. You got to keep people compelled. You got to have them wanting to come back and listen. And how do you do that? You put on a good fucking show. It's a performance. (laughs) Anyone listening out there, take it from me and miss. Uh We know uh podcasting. All right. We we're the experts. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but we've been doing this for 23 23 weeks. weeks. Reach for the stars because anything less than that is a complete failure. So it's exactly right. That is exactly right. So Oh god, um, I feel so good about ourselves right now. Yeah, no, I just nurturing the next generation. I'm so excited for this new batch of podcasters now to hear what they sound Mm. like. Oh, I know. Mm. Under our tutelage. I know. We we are the we're the experts. We've been here since the beginning. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. November. Of November. Of November. November. So what was it like? So what's a what's a is it just like a life drawing class? Like does he stay in one position? Do you oh. ask him? Do you maybe ask him to like maybe a little to the left or? Oh sure 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 yeah what, so what, that's what, a great what question. Do do? There were oh, so picture like I said it was a loft space art mm-hmm. co-op kind of deal. There were about ten of us. I had went with okay. my friend who okay. had invited me. A, as we were going up the elevator, my friend and I, the model was taking the elevator up at the same time. So I was standing there like, I'm about to like Did you know that he was going to be yes. the model? Oh, yes, because okay. they sent like, out photos beforehand. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. You don't like anything like a photo. It's gay, right? You got to see what no, you're going to be gay. With. That's true. The, the, they're not just going to go. No. Okay. Okay. So then, then this person was enticing. Yeah. He was quite nice to look at. Very he was, yeah. it was, it was right up my alley and I wanted him right up my alley. I was going to say that was way too easy. I know. I beat you to it. <laughs> so is it, it's completely nude, correct? Completely nude with a, with a dick light and everything to a dick light shine on it. Like a, like a spotlight. Yes. Like a, yes, ma'am. Right on There's the like dick. three different spotlights on him, two on the side and one right on from the, the floor up, right yeah. on the dick. Listen, um, I'm here for the hard hitting questions. Um, hard hitting questions. The hard, hot, hot hitting questions. Ooh, I love where this episode <laughs> is going. Yeah. Listen, this might be the most deranged we've been yet. <laughs> I can only hope that we're subconsciously doing this so we can mentally prepare ourselves for whatever uh, story you're going to be telling us today. I'm hoping unless it's a lighter story. It's a lighter story. Oh, okay. A lot of darkness in me this weekend while researching. So I wanted to go light and this started off. I thought it was going to be something else. And then it turned into something. It's just mind blowing. Like it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's exciting. Great. I am so are, ready for it. Are you ready? I think so. I think we've segued organically into this moment. Segued. All right. Okay. This week for episode 23, I am mm. going to go over Amy Bach. Do you Amy, know her? Amy Bach. Is it spelled B-A-C-H? No. B-O-C-K. B-O-C-K. No. 
then I don't no think secret. so. Okay. I'd never heard of her either. So let's let's do it. Okay. Amy Bach was born in Hobart in Tas- Tasmania. Tasmania? <laughs> I don't know if that was correct either. Close. It was it, I could hear it a little bit. Um <laughs> in Tasmania in eighteen fifty nine. She was the second of six children, and her father, Alfred, was a photographer, and he brought this specific kind of photography with him to Australia. Um, And it made him very famous, but it also kept them on the move. So they didn't stay in one place for terribly long. Uh Amy showed an interest in amateur dramatics at an early age, something her father encouraged. She played the piano, taught music to other children, and was well-liked. When she was playing, she enjoyed the company of boys much more than girls. Right. Who doesn't? Actually, no. I was going to say a lot of us. Boys are terrible. Why would you choose boys? Just kidding. To all of the boys. To all those Um, boys. We're not talking about you, boys. No, no, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Not our boys. Not our boys. Just boys. Get off boys. (laughs) (laughs) Segway. (laughs) Pivot. Boys? Our boys. (laughs) In later years, a school friend of 23 weeks, motherfuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't see anything wrong with what's happening. No. Um, and this is and this is gold. In later years, a school friend described Amy as clever and popular, and she had a reputation as uh, an accomplished actor. And she often took on the roles of the male characters. Oh, okay. um, and also, this was set okay. So, like it said, she was a a skilled horsewoman, which, like at first, I laughed at because it sounds weird. But um, mm-hmm. it was it was written in many articles, so I think that's pretty like a like a common thing. The actual title is a horsewoman. A horse, a horsewoman. Is that what I'm horse hearing people. you say? Yeah, horse, like horsewoman. Horsewoman. Uh, horse people, let us know. <laughs> Sound off below. Yeah, Amy's mother was severely mentally ill and had an ongoing delusion that she was Lady Macbeth. Mm. Who she hasn't? Was... <laughs> I certainly have. She would stand at the gate leading to their home with a carving knife in her hand, making all sorts of strange assertions to her high position. Uh, Amy would then hurry to her, hurry her mother indoors and appear to have a great power over her. So Amy was like the, one of the very few people she would actually listen to. Okay. Okay. Um, and when Amy was growing up, she had started exhibiting strange behavior as well. She began telling stories and acting out in bizarre ways. And this is a quote from her. Okay. When I was very young, I remember going into a a shop in the town we lived in and buying a lot of books without my father's knowledge and giving them away. Well, when the account was sent to my father, he came and told me to never get anything without first receiving an order from him. He told me that anything I needed, I must go to him for, and Mm -hmm. I should have it. But his saying this only seemed to increase the desire to get things without his knowledge. I did so many times, and at last, when his patience was worn out, he took me into his room and told me of my mother's fate and said that he feared I showed the same symptoms. Okay. At this time, her mother's mental state deteriorated even further, and she was committed to an insane asylum in 1872. And Amy Amy was sent to boarding school in Melbourne. Melbourne. Sadly, she would die a few years later in the asylum. And while Amy was at boarding school, her father started having financial issues, so she became 
a teacher while being a student to help the family's income. Mm -hmm. After she completed boarding school, her father helped her obtain a position as the only teacher at a rural school. And for the next decade, Amy worked as the teacher in Gippsland. And Papa moved to New Zealand and got remarried. And here's where things start to get a little wonky. A little wonky? All right. Mm -hmm. Take me on Mm -hmm. that journey. Mm -hmm. So as the only teacher at the school, Amy's salary was based on the number of students and was generally around nine pounds a week. Mm -hmm. Jenny Coleman, the author of Mad or Bad, The Life and Exploits of Amy Bach, said she's basically scamming them. She's fidgeting the school attendance roles because her salary was dependent on how many students were in attendance. She also lied about broken windows to get extra money. So they would send money to fix the window and she would pocket it for Uh herself. She often bought goods on credit and failed to pay the shop owners back. And some things she bought were really bizarre. Uh, Quote, she would go around to all of the undertakers and order up coffins and get them sent to the same family. But what was in it for her? This is, this is a running theme in Amy Box crimes. They, and her cons, like she's, she's supposed to be a con woman, but they don't benefit Mm -hmm, her mm -hmm. and they don't harm like her enemies or something. So they're just for the hell of it. So it is just, it's like a, she's like a human poltergeist. (laughs) Essentially for now. (laughs) I mean, we're going to figure, I mean, there's more to it, obviously, but yeah, she's just for no reason, just doing it. Amy is considered to be a confidence trickster. She, her usual pattern involved making emotional claims to her employer or an acquaintance in order mm-hmm. to obtain money or property or committing some other petty scam. Some scams she pulled were uh, taking watches for repair and then claiming to have lost them, making purchases under her employer or a friend's name without permission, or claiming to sell tickets to concerts or events that didn't exist. She would then abscond from the area and once caught would immediately admit to the fraud. She, she would often say it was me. I will plead guilty. And she did. Uh, at least she's honest, but no, she I is. I don't and understand why. None of it. It's all very bizarre. So uh-huh. Amy had been caught stealing or commit committing theft by deception many times, but she never faced any consequences. Her father was well-respected and connected and was always there to help when she um, got out of her depth. She also garnered sympathy from the public and the court because of her mother's insanity. Couldn't be Amy's fault that her mother was crazy. This is just the same kind of thing. Can you imagine if that uh, was a defense in court? I'm sorry, Your Honor, but my mother is Mm -hmm. crazy. So in 1884, Amy faced trial for the first time. From headstuff.org, the newspaper at the time says she was initially arrested for the acquisition of two gold watches from a jeweler in Melbourne. Quote, she spun a tale backed with a letter claiming to be from her brother that one of the watches was to be presented to a man retiring from her brother's club and got them both to show him and have him choose which was apparently not unusual. And then when she failed to return to the store, the proprietor had her summoned by a lawyer. And when she failed to appear, he contacted the police. Amy had used her real name and they had little trouble tracking her down. 
When they investigated further, they found that Amy was responsible for multiple other bad debts around the city. This included two carriages she had purchased on credit and then sold. Other Mm. items listed at her trial included a piano, multiple pieces of furniture. And then on the 23rd of May, she was arrested and taken to court. And she was described as rather below medium height and a very quiet, unassuming appearance. Her features were pinched and deathly pale, and she was thin and sickly, though as though suffering a serious illness, which is because she was, because she was sick in bed when she was arrested. Her case was remanded to allow a doctor mm-hmm. to examine her for her physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. And then on the base of her ill health and and her, quote, lack of responsibility for her actions, end quote, she was discharged without conviction, bound on a pledge of good behavior for 12 months. So basically, she got probation. And as long as she didn't do anything in those 12 months, then, you know, we'll, we'll just sweep the whole thing under the rug. So let's see. She had an open invitation from her father um, since his remarriage in 1882 to move to Auckland, New Zealand with he and his new wife. And so Mm -hmm. she did after this. Amy did not like his new wife and she got out almost immediately and she became a governess, um, which is like a private tutor. And this is when Amy cranked it up to 11. I'm so ready. (laughs) Quote, thanks to a combination of bravery and charisma, she soon became a natural at scams, misdirection, theft, and innovation. Between 1887 and 1904, she was charged with various offenses and spent about seven years in prison for her petty crimes. Like, she was never in prison for very long, but just... You better work, Seven years totaled. (laughs) Um, After only a few weeks as a governess, she found herself in court... um, for the first time, she had defrauded her employer and appeared in court where she confessed and cried in court that her mother was insane. The court bought it again, and she was let off by the judge. A local newspaper put it like this, quote, she had perfect mania for what she called shopping, which consisted of ordering goods she did not require and could not pay for. The girl had thus far contrived to keep out of the lunatic asylum, of which her mother was a confining for many years, end quote. And so much sympathy has been felt for her, as her mistake is believed to be hereditary misfortune than criminal intent. This episode set a pattern for Amy Bach's subsequent career as a scammer and thief, though she wasn't so lucky in court going forward. After this incident, she moved to Littleton, where she worked as a governess again without incident for over eight months. However, eight months in, she had disclosed to her employers that she had inherited a large sum of money. Her employers um, did not believe her because of just her job as a governess and all of that. And she was greatly offended and quit. (laughs) To be fair, she did not have an inheritance. (laughs) Before traveling to Wellington, she obtained goods on credit again that she couldn't pay for. So she quit because they didn't believe her that she had all this money and immediately just stole and ran. She was brought to Christchurch before the magistrate court in April 1886. The court wasn't swayed by Amy's history and she was convicted and sentenced to one month's hard labor and imprisonment at Addington Mm -hmm. Prison. 
world stomping grounds. Just a lovely little staycation. Yeah, just a little one month spa stay. Um, On her release, she moved to Wellington. The following year, she was sentenced to six months in a reformatory where her charm and intelligence led her to being offered a job as a teacher to the other prisoners. But her attempt to forge a letter from a non-existent aunt to aid her parole hearing led to her losing the job and losing all of her other privileges. Yeah, seriously. Poor Amy. (laughs) She's not helping herself. No. She worked all kinds of service jobs. So a cook, a governess, a housekeeper, or a companion. Her charm and friendly nature won her many friends, few of whom could believe it when they found out she had stolen from them. She once offered to watch her employer's home while while they were away. And when they came back, their entire house was empty. She sold every single thing and fled. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah so like imagine like you have like your friend coming over to like that's watch like, watch your cat while you go down to the stunt beach stunt queen move stunt queen like the house was empty and she was gone <laughs> um on holiday in dunedin dunedin she was visiting a woman she had made friends with on a ferry um, one day, while the family were at a picnic, Amy stayed home with a migraine. It wasn't until bailiffs turned up a few weeks later that the family realized that while they were at the picnic, she had invited a lender over and they had taken out a, a loan secured by that family's furniture. And um, she obviously didn't pay it. No. In. In 1888, she spent two months in jail after an elaborate scheme of false letters and family emergencies went awry. In 1889, she moved to Akaroa, Akaroa, A-K-A-R-O-A, on Banks Peninsula. She found work again as a governess, um, but reoffended and was again brought to the magistrate in Christchurch. The prosecutor pointed out her lengthy record to the court and she was sentenced to concurrent six-month sentences for larceny and false pretenses so she's just she's just always going she's never she's never taken time to just enjoy her scams or her schemes she's just always always on the run and then less than a week after her release in 1892 she was arrested for stealing a watch and sent back for another month In October of 1892, she had resettled in Timaru, where she almost immediately presented herself as a wealthy tourist and obtained a loan for $1 from a local school principal, (laughs) claiming to have lost her pocketbook. After disappearing with the money, um, which I just, I can't get over the one pound. Like, I don't, like, I get that it's 1892 and a pound is more, but... It just seems really like a that much bit of, more a loanable right. amount. That's what I mean. Like we're writing, yeah. we're writing loans for a pound. Um, but after disappearing with the money, she was quickly caught and sentenced to a ter- another month in prison. Um, she claimed that she was disturbed by the news of her father's death, but he was still alive. He had just moved to Melbourne. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Tricky. <laughs> in October um, 1895, she was imprisoned again for three months for not paying board and lodging. Um, on her release, she was sent to the Catholic-run Mount 
Magdala, a home in Christchurch. It was an institution set up for, quote, fallen women. Um, and there are just no records of her time there. And I think she was there for like six or seven years. Boy, I only thought angels could be fallen. <laughs> I don't. She's a fallen woman. Apparently women, Kiwi no. women can also be. Well, here's the thing. She can't stop stealing. Can't she stop. She can't. Can't stop, won't yeah. stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Don't stop me now. Okay, so now in 1901, she began wa- working as a housekeeper under the name of Miss Sherwin. After leaving town and faking the death of Miss Sherwin in order to avoid the large debts she had accumulated, uh, she was caught. And then in 1902, she was masquerading as Miss Mary Shannon in Christchurch, where she had befriended Mr. Buxton, a well-known landscaper, and became a guest in his home. Through him, she met and defrauded investors of sums of of money required to start a fictitious poultry farm in Mount Rosekill and was again imprisoned for two years with hard labor in 1903. She Uh, sure makes the rounds of prisons. I think she's been in all of the prisons of news that New Zealand had to offer at the time (laughs) because there can't be that many. I mean, a there can't be that many and B yeah. The amount of times that she was sentenced to prison. Seriously. Like, it's incredible. Uh, it's incredible. Um, in 1908, she became a housekeeper in Dundin under the assumed name of Agnes Valance, where she was a popular addition to the family. Hmm. At Christmas, she was left in charge of the house and set out um, and... And she set out and obtained loans using the household furniture as collateral uh, under the name Naturally. Charlotte <laughs> under the name Charlotte Skevington. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, a warrant was issued for her arrest in January 1909, but strangely, she disappeared. They could not find her. And then this is a quote from rnz.co.nz. The brilliance of Amy Scams was often her downfall. The police began to get wise of her particular brand of crime. Anytime they came across a complex scam, they knew whose door to knock on. Quote, they would come to the conclusion that it had to be Amy Bach, even if she didn't have any evidence, end quote. And the thing was, as many scams as she was pulling and as often as she was caught, and mm-hmm. admitting guilt, she was very smart. And she was like, like the police even would talk about how clever she was and how these scams were so well done and how, you know, even though she got caught the amount of times that she got caught, she got caught a such a small percentage of the crimes that she actually committed. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I I do wonder what her um, arrest ratio is. I per don't. Crime. I don't. Know, I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, yeah. I don't know if she was a particularly good record keeper, but yeah, it's 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 a little wild. She it's yeah. So Amy was soon a celebrity criminal in New Zealand, which made her very well known. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if everyone knows you're the most famous lady con artist, how are you supposed to con? Correct. All right, now let's introduce our second main player. 1909, Percival Leonard Carroll Redwood 
an affluent Canterbury sheep farmer, became a popular guest at a respectable boarding house in Dunedin. A fellow guest would later comment that Percy seemed to be the essence of all that was good and kind. His affable and obliging nature made us all like him. Percy doled out gifts to people he befriended and cultivated a reputation as a wealthy, friendly gentleman with a respectable family. He was the nephew of an archbishop, and he was very comfortable financially, quote, just the salt of the earth people, end quote, which I didn't know mm -hmm. we were still using that, that stupid line in yeah, 1909. Yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> yeah, so. Call me paprika people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're, just, you're too spicy. Yeah. I am way too spicy. Salt, though we are very salty. Um, <laughs> Percy leaned on his reputation to secure loans of the peop from the people of Nugget Point. Hmm. One time, <laughs> I know. It's, it's actually, if you look it up, it's gorgeous. Um, one time Percy claimed he lost his wallet on a fishing trip and a local woman offered to loan him her entire life savings. Until more money could no. be sent to him. No. Percy became so popular at Albion House, the uh, boarding house where he was staying, that the owners, the Ottaway family, began to wonder if this rich, unmarried farmer might make a good match for their daughter, 30-year-old Agnes Ottaway. Percy wooed Agnes, who was known as mm -hmm. Nessie, and within weeks, Percy and Nessie were engaged. And Nessie's ring had... Five big old diamonds on it, and it made everybody jealous. Damn, five? Five diamonds, my friend, in 1909. Get, get it. Nessie. So, after just a few weeks, they were engaged, and then on April 21st, 1909, at an elaborate ceremony attended by 200 guests, including the local MP, they were married. But it was weird because at the last minute, Percy's family members wrote to say that they would not be able to attend the ceremony because their plans were derailed at the last minute when another family wedding was being scheduled on the same day. Ugh. Don't you just hate it? I hate that. Yeah. Suspicions were raised by their absence and by Percy's failure to pay debts leading up to the wedding. So the heat's coming down on Purse. Percy assured everything would be handled at the wedding, and then Nessie and Percy were married without incident. Uh, however, the Ottawa family forbid Percy from consummating the wedding at first. Instead, he was put in a room of one of his new, new relatives on the night of his wedding, and the groomsmen became very suspicious when his new roommate climbed into bed, fully dressed in his wedding suit. Uh... Wait, keep going, because that's that's weird. Why would you wear a suit to bed? The morning after the wedding, Nessie's parents and a number of close family friends confronted him about his finances and gave him a week's grace to pay his debts on the basis that there would be no honeymoon until he had done so. Two of the family friends subsequently made further inquiries and found that they were unable to trace the existence of Percy's mother, and they reported their concerns to the police. A local detective recognized the beginnings of a scam and started to investigate. Detective Hunt thought Percy's web of unpaid debts and unfulfilled promises sounded very familiar. Mm -hmm. So he showed a photo of Amy Bach to people who knew Percy Redwood 
And that's when the scam was unraveled. According to the newspaper, the conversation went like this. Amy, yes, Hunt, the game is up. All right, if you have anything to do, do it as quietly as possible so as to not disturb the house. And then he said, you are Amy Bach and I arrest you on the charge of fraud. And then she said, yes, I will tell you all about it and I will plead guilty at the proper time. <laughs> not so one lick of resistance. So here we are. This is the biggest scandal ever. We have a woman who has impersonated a man, mm -hmm. a wealthy farmer, and then got legally married mm -hmm. to a woman. Yes. In 1909. Yes. And isn't that fun? <laughs> that seems like... It's so fun. It just seems it's so like. Fun. If, so here's the thing. If they were in on it and if it was like a love connection and they just wanted to be married. So Amy's just like, listen, I will be Percy and then we'll move and we can go get married and be married. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is not what happened. This is 1909 and Nessie thought her groom was a dude and really, really wanted him to be a dude. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, this is the biggest scam of her career. Um, the Evening Star described her interest into court as saying, a front view showed a diminutive man, well-dressed, neat of limb, with neater feet, and rather good-looking. A back view made it almost impossible to believe that the little man between the detectives was a woman. Newspapers in both Australia and New Zealand reported extensively on the events. The New Zealand Herald said that the situation was more like a romance than anything else. She was convicted of obtaining by false pretenses and making a false declaration under the Marriage Act. Most of the public treated it as a big joke, and even the Ottaways didn't seem to hold a grudge. When Amy went to trial, they even put in a petition for her to be treated lightly. That's nice. It was. I don't know why they did that, though, but yeah. She attempted to mitigate her sentence with the usual explanations that she couldn't help it because of her mental illness and because of her mother, but the court didn't go along with her this time. She was sentenced to four years hard labor and declared a, quote, habitual criminal, which um, I guess is similar to like a lifelong probation status. Oh, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then... From headstuff.org, Amy's masquerade as Percy may simply have started out as a way to avoid detection, but it soon <laughs> turned into something a lot more complicated. It's hard to know exactly why Amy, in her disguise as per Percy, proposed marriage to Agnes. Some people today theorize that she was a lesbian or a trans man and see it as a genuine attempt at romance. However, this doesn't seem to match with her previous and later actions, and nor with her intention to like escape the entire situation. Uh, others see it as a grand scam, something Amy intended to turn to her profit. How she intended to profit from it is up in the air, but perhaps it was simple as her lies got away from her and mm -hmm. they progressed beyond her control. I just, I can't, I can't really understand it. And there are quotes from her where she knows that it's a problem. And she 
even in court talks about how she it's a compulsion how she can't help it and how um you know she has kleptomania and Mm -hmm. kleptomania was sort of a new idea and judges rejected it because they're like okay yeah so everyone now is going to come into court and say that they stole it but they can't be responsible because they're kleptomaniac so nobody there was no understanding of it and what it Mm -hmm. meant um and the fact that it is a real mental disorder and it is a compulsion disorder and I think that explains a lot of her like willingness to cooperate and her, you know, how she, so yeah, I think the kleptomania had more to do with it because, uh, because it was a compulsion, but there was just no way to handle or deal with that in 1909 mm-hmm. or any time before that. Right. I mean, that just people back in those days, if you were ailing or suffering from something we all know well and good these days you were yeah. fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I think that things could have gone a lot worse for her considering the time that we were in and considering how much she stole and how often she got caught. Mm-hmm. But as for Nessie, uh, she and Amy were legally married. So a month after her wedding, she had to file for an annulment Amy didn't contest it. She didn't want to be married to Agnes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Agnes uh, was married the following year to a widower named Thomas Gilmore. Amy was ultimately released in February 1912. Her sentence had ended in December 1910, but she had spent 14 months undergoing reformatory treatment, which was the court's evaluation of her habitual criminal status meant that she could have been held there indefinitely, but she was only held there for two years. And she was released after two years when they decided that she was unlikely to reoffend. Amy did her best to disappear into obscurity in the tiny coastal town of Macau, Macau, Uh, though the newspaper still kept an ear to the wind for any news of her. In 1914, she married Charles Christofferson, an immigrant from Sweden, Most papers were careful to include that on this occasion, Amy was the bride. (laughs) Amy did her best to live an honest life, but she was still unable to resist her compulsions. Her marriage was strained by her habit of borrowing money and never paying it back. And in 1917, she was back in court for theft. The court said that in light of her long period of honesty, she was fined rather than imprisoned. And then I wrote, Would we say five years is long? (laughs) Because I don't know that it is. In the grand scheme, I wouldn't say that's pretty long. Um, You know? Yeah. And to like not do crime. Yeah. It seems like a short amount of time. But, you know, times are different. Charles actually turned out to be a drunk who abandoned her and moved back to Sweden, leaving her destitute. Hmm. But Amy managed to find work again. And for 17 years, she was on the straight and narrow. Nice. Amy made her last court appearance in 1931 at the age of 71 for theft. She had friends from the Salvation Army and they spoke for her. She was granted release on probation, provided that she retired to their home for the elderly in Parnell. And that's where Amy died in 1943 at the age of 84. Ooh, a full long life. 
A full a lot long... of that, including prison and hard labor. I mean, to be fair, she had a bunch of prison sentences, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know that she spent a crazy amount of time in jail. The longest sentence was the last one, mm-hmm. and that was four years. But yeah, that's my story. That's Amy Bach, the con artist and trickster. Um, and honestly, I don't think she was either. I think she was very smart. Yeah. I think she was probably bored and understimulated. And I think she was mentally ill. I mean, her mother, mm-hmm. her mother was mentally, very mentally ill. And it was very apparent, like in her family, like there had been mm. many instances of lunatics and which like, I just wish we could bring that back. Let's um, just, it's so much easier. Lunatic. Lunatic is such now, a good word to say. Now here's a question. Yeah. Who would play her in a movie? Okay, so someone who could easily be disguised as a man, mm-hmm. short and thin. Uh, thin. So I thought. So like, I'm looking at a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I don't. I don't know. Let's see. I mean, it could be a lot of different um, it could be, actresses. Yeah. Let's see. I'm looking at her. Did I mean I could absolutely see like Glenn Close playing her? <gasps> you know her what? That's a great idea. I think in like Glenn the Close. 71 age moment. Yeah, because the picture I'm looking at specifically, which is when mm-hmm. she's older in this in the suit jacket. Yes. Um. Absolutely, could be Glenn Close. I could see that, and I'd be here for it. I think she'd do a I'd good be job. Here for it too. I feel like I she's already. She definitely already played a role where she was portraying a man. So I think that's why my brain's also going to Glenn Close, but I think it could still work for this story. Yeah. Any delicately so any delicately featured man or any mm-hmm. strongly featured woman could yes. really do the trick. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, so that's Amy Bach. Um, I don't... That's great. There was never any malice behind it and I think that's why I, c- I think this is f- like a funny, like criminal story yeah it's more lighthearted lighthearted not funny you're right it's not funny i mean lighthearted in that Mm -hmm. like nobody like yes there are victims to these crimes there are a lot of victims to these crimes Mm -hmm. yes Uh, she really did some people dirty but i mean it's nice not to think about bludgeoning murder i i I agree but could you imagine if she also wielded an axe no no no. it would have been so much better if she was like, if she was like, uh, like mad axman skills. Yeah. If she was like also Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Or like she was like a serial killer where she was known as like this petite little young or this petite woman, but she could with one fell swoop, chop you right in half. Chop you right in half. half. Or whatever. Terrifying. Call me crazy. What if we get Amy and mm-hmm. Lizzie mm-hmm. together? Mm-hmm. Power oh my God. Couple. Power couple. That's me. not at all a bad idea. And I could see that being a franchised movie. I'm going to start the fan fiction event. tonight. Oh God, please. I'm going to make it tonight. All the layers of wool. Ooh, ooh, damp. Ooh. Everyone's Wicking, just though. always. 
It wicks the moisture. <laughs> All that New Zealand wool. Wicked lesbians. Wicked lesbians in wool. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what do you have for me? What are you doing? What are you telling me this week? I have a good trident. I have a really good story about a cryptid. We're going back to Yay, a cryptid time. Cryptid. Yay, cryptid. All right. So I, I, I'm ready to tell my story if you are. Oh, I'm ready for you to tell your story. You are ready. You are I'm ready. ready. Try well, me. my dear, my no. love, my, my love. miss, the house down boots for your nerve, realness, mama, wig, tongue pop. <laughs> yes. Okay. We're going to go yes. on a little ride yep. today. Where are we going? We're going back to cryptid country. Mm, We're going to be okay. spilling the tea on a cryptid found in a creek. In a creek. In a creek. He's a creaky right. cryptid. Creaky cryptid. Oh, yeah, babe. I'm all talking right, about right. the one and only monster from the Boggy Creek, also known as Boggy Creek Monster. Boggy Creek Monster? Yeah. Also yeah. known as the Falk monster on account of its location falk f-o-u-k-e that's the location of today's story which is in falk arkansas and falk i'm gonna keep saying it falk (laughs) with its 800 (laughs) residents is actually 800 800. Ooh, she big huh today (laughs) today is actually near the texas arkansas border Okay. And this area of the country is quite flat. There's plenty of woods, especially thick woods. Ooh, Freudian mm. slip. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. And these woods are just scattered about, marshy, creaky, cricky, wet, that Body. whole vibe. Okay. Yes. And Falk is just right in the thick of all that. Thick of it. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Which is why this creature is sometimes called the swamp stalker. Okay. <laughs> it it goes by many names. So like we just said, mm-hmm. the Falk Monster, the Boggy Creek mm-hmm. Monster, the Swamp Stalker. I'm sure like there's Swamp others. Stalker. Swamp Stalker. I think, I think that's the scariest one. That's like the one that like creeps me out the most. <laughs> and according to legends, various sightings of this Sasquatchian creature describes ah! it. Sasquatchian. <laughs> I think... <laughs> That word it. is just simply delicious. I, I think it's a very good adjective. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. this creature is described as being large, bipedal, and covered in long, dark hair. And it is estimated to be seven feet tall or about two meters in length for our international listeners with a weight about 280 pounds or 127 kilograms. Although there has been debate throughout the decades that those estimations could be a bit on the smaller side. It could actually be a lot bigger. Oh, well, isn't that something? She's thickums. (laughs) Okay. It's an ape-like creature. It okay. is Sasquatchian, as I said. Okay. And, and it, covered in hair. Covered in long, dark hair. And it prowls these swampy lands Ooh. in the Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas kind of area where that, where those three 
states meat. Reports also describe it as having a terrible odor, naturally, the odor being described as a combination of a skunk and a wet dog, which, you know, girl, I'm not sure I know what that smells like, and I don't don't find out. No, I don't ever care to find out. That wouldn't be fun for me. I don't want to find that out. No, not fun for the dog, not fun for the skunk, not fun for the Kevin. It's all around not fun. And then along with its grotesque smell and its menacing height, Mm -hmm. you have to also beware of its bright, piercing red eyes, which are about the size of silver dollars. What? (laughs) But not silver dollars, but Uh like silver dollars, but, but red. You know, that's you know? terrifying. That's large and terrifying. large. Yeah. I wonder how big them rods are and cones. <laughs> the rods and cones bigger than ours. I'm going to guess. <laughs> Accounts have <laughs> described the way that the Falk monster runs as running swiftly, like a galloping gait and swinging its mm-hmm. arms in a fashion similar to like a monkey. So mm-hmm. a 10 okay. footer who's racing through the swamps, you know, like gorilla and monkily kind of running. That monkily. sounds unequivocally frightening to me. No, it sounds terrifying to have a 10-foot anything run at you with wily arms. Oh, yes. And the monster, like I said, it's often known as the Falk monster, but it has been spotted throughout the state of Arkansas all the mm. way... Uh, from the east side, uh, Falk is on the southwest side of the state, okay. nearest Texas. Mm-hmm. And reports have been on the complete opposite side of the state as well, which is like 200 some miles mm-hmm. away. So it either gets around or mm-hmm. there may be more than one hoe up in those woods. I like sure. to think that there's more than one. You do. I like to think so too, because everyone needs companionship. Absolutely. Or family, extended yeah. family elsewhere. Plus, to it connect had to with. come from somewhere. Had to. There's I mean, no other way. The last one. <laughs> yeah. Earliest reported sightings go as far back as around 1834. What? And that's, yeah, it's been a while. And that's probably when Falk had like 100 people living in there. It has 800 now, but like Dang. in the 1830s, it was probably yeah. not a lot. And people began to report a large, hairy, wild man, and that this thing was roaming around Arkansas. Yeah, I couldn't find much more information about that 1834 sighting, but there yeah. were at least two other newspapers who reported beasts in the years afterward. And like okay. I said, those newspapers were on the complete opposite side of the state. So I think there was more than one. I think there was more than one. I like to think that. Me too. In 1851, the Memphis Inquirer reported a creature spotted by hunters in Greene County, which is in that area. The hunters were quoted saying, he was of gigantic stature, the body being covered with hair, and the head with long... No, I don't know why he's being that. He's, He's... probably just Tennessean or Arkansasian. So he was of gigantic stature, the body being covered with hair and the head with long locks that fairly enveloped his neck and shoulders. Uh Uh-huh. Five years later in 1856, 
Another newspaper known as the Cato Gazette had also reported sightings of a man beast. Mm -hmm. The article said it was a stout, athletic man about six feet, four inches in height, completely covered with hair of a brownish cast about four to six inches long. He was well-muscled and ran up the bank with the fleetness of a deer. In an instant, he dragged the hunter to the ground and tore him the most dreadful manner, (laughs) scratching out one of his eyes and injuring the other so much that his comrades despair of the recovery of his sight and biting large pieces out of his shoulder and various parts of his body. That wild man then stole the hapless victim's horse and rode away on it. Rode a horse? We're going to stop right here because the skeptic in me... Is reading these articles from the 1830s, 1850s, talking about these man beasts, hairy man. To me, this doesn't sound ape-like, doesn't scream that. He stole a horse and ran away. Yeah, this sounds like a man. This screams (laughs) mentally unwell, hirsute individual. That's what we know. This is just a man with long hair. This is... Six four. That's not tall enough to be our guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not at all. He's not tall enough to be our guy. Uh, Also, what do you mean biting chunks out of shoulders? He was not called the swamp stalker for nothing, honey. What do you think he's stalking? The most dangerous prey out there. Oh, man, 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 man's, man's. We're going to yeah, go man's right. hunting. <laughs> it's man season. <laughs> well, yes, I am a swamp stalker, and it's you season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's been, it was relatively quiet into the 1900s. Okay. F- at least in terms of reported sightings. So there was a another... Article in 1955 where the creature was allegedly spotted by a 14 year old boy who described it as having reddish brown hair, who was also sniffing the air and was not reacting when he was kind of when he was fired upon by birdshot, like because I guess the boy was out mm. hunting. Mm. Um, um, again, I make sounds like a man. It's again sounds like a man, or this one sounds like a little bear to me. Who's just like sniffing the air? Kind oh. of sounds bear. I yeah, could see it being a bear. Could be a bear. Mm-hmm. Especially if you live in those areas mm-hmm. your whole life. But another yeah. such another such story happened in May. So it was actually May second of nineteen seventy one, which involved mm-hmm. a newlywed couple whose names were Bobby and Elizabeth Ford. Okay. Elizabeth said that she was sleeping in the front room of her house. She was quoted as saying, I saw the curtain moving on the front window and a hand sticking through the window. At first, I thought it was a bear's paw, but it didn't look like that. It had heavy hair all over it, and it had claws. I could see its eyes. They looked like coals of fire. Real red, she said. Probably not in that inflection, but that's how I'm reading it. No, no, no. I appreciate the inflection. It paints the whole picture. Yes. Um, I, it had claws. So it had big meaty hand with claws that wasn't a bear. 
She she claims it wasn't a bear. Yeah. Okay. She also and claims she's red eyes. And red eyes, real red. Real Elizabeth red. then claims she spotted the creature around the back of the house when they went out to with flashlights. She said they spotted it and we shot several times at it and then they couldn't hit it so they called Ernst Walraven. Walraven? Walraven? Ernst Walraven. Herb Ertlinger. Herb Hertlmer. Leekfingauer. You just have a stroke. <laughs> Time will tell. His who name was, was Ernest Walraven, W A L Raven. <laughs> so, Walraven? Or Walraven? 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 Walraven. I think so. Anyway, that fucker was a constable in Falk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Good, good, good. So he shows up and he has his gun, a shotgun, and a stronger flashlight. And they uh, reportedly waited on the porch and they mm-hmm. saw a thing that was uh, on the outskirts of their property line where the mm-hmm. woods were. They could see yeah. it and they could see that it was coming closer to the house. And they okay. said that. They just started shooting again, and they thought that they had seen it fall. So Bobby, who is the okay. husband, yeah, and Elizabeth and Ernst, they started Ernst. walking out to go see where it had fallen because it kind of went out of sight. And it was at that time that they had heard screaming in the house. So Bobby went rushing back in and this is not me i don't know if there was just like another woman in the house or 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 what but he doesn't Mm. make it to the house is what i'm saying Mm. okay so he heard screaming and then bobby started racing back to the house he said i was walking on the rungs of a ladder to get up on the porch when the thing Mm. grabbed me The creature was described by Ford as being about seven feet tall and about three feet wide across the chest, which, good lord. Damn. At first, I thought it was a bear, but it runs upright and moves real fast. It is covered with hair, he said. Bobby was then... I I just meant to say, like, everybody seems very consistent. Like, everyone's description uh, is mostly... Very consistent. Mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, so he was grabbed. He was uh, tore up a bit, but apparently it had let him live and I guess kept running because he was found by Elizabeth and the, the constable and he was taken to about a 20-minute drive to St. Michael Hospital and in the next town over and he was treated okay. for large gashes across his back. And he was suffer- he was suffering from mild shock when he arrived, according to newspaper reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things just didn't add up all the way. It, it's just kind of it's staying this story for a reason. It's really their word against evidence, and a lot of the yeah. evidence wasn't pointing towards much. Mm, and okay. the creature, though, to its credit was allegedly sighted again on May mm-hmm. 23rd, so about three weeks later, 
when okay. three different people had reported seeing an ape-like creature crossing U.S. Highway 71, which is <laughs> in the state. <laughs> that sounds really – just like I'm just like imagining like you're still tired. You're driving into work. It's really early. <laughs> and you're just like stuck in – or no, you're just driving and there's no one else around. And then there's just this thing yes. on the highway. I don't know. I feel like I would drive by – because I wouldn't think that it was real. I would just assume that I was hallucinating it. That could be. And the biggest <laughs> differentiator from this cryptid to any old Bigfoot or Sasquatch kind of yeah. moment is this creature had left footprints, but they were three-toed footprints. <gasps> Three toes? Three-toed. Wow. And that is different. So that's unusual. Unusual. <clears throat> and other footprints were found in those subsequent May of 1971 sightings mm -hmm. that also seem to have corroborated that they had three toes from okay. footprints found in additional sightings. But I'm about to tell you about some real wet blanket, dude. It's just this... <laughs> This uh, archaeologist, this little oh, archaeologist no. dude, rocks in, you know, history and science. <laughs> Frank Schambach, he works Ugh. for the Southern State College, which is uh, now good. known, yeah, at the time, but is now known as Southern Arkansas University. So it's in that exact region, but who, Still sounds fake. who could believe him? Yeah, yeah. But he fake. says... There is a 99% chance the tracks are a hoax. <gasps> what? Really? All this I time? Think, uh, all this time. And he says that, but you know what? You know what I read that as? When he says there's 99% chance the tracks are a hoax, I think yeah. there's one chance, 1% chance that it could be true. All I'm hearing is that there's a considerable impossible. chance. There's a considerable chance. Yes. That it's real. And um, that's the way I choose to live my life, Mr. College Man. I know. And Mr. College Man, he does point out a number of reasons why a three-toed mammal creature could even exist. He would say... Would we just you know, fall over? Yeah. <laughs> he said because there are, they were from a three-toed creature and all primates, including hominids... Us have mm -hmm. five toes. Okay. So in addition to the number of toes, Schambach, the wet blanket dude, Idiot. cited several other anomalies as part of his conclusion. Like the region had no history of primate activity, ruling out the possibility of the creature being the remnants of an indigenous species. Blah, All blah, primates blah, 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 blah. are completely diurnal. Awake during the day. Okay. Whereas the Falk monster had always been reported as being nocturnal. Mm, okay. Okay. They're thinking that somebody took the Falk monster mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just ran with it. Okay. All right. I think so. And you know what I think? I mm. think to hell with all that information and science and knowledge and know-how and history. Yeah. And histrionics. What I think is <laughs> ca the cause of the three-toed footprints. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
I think there is a Boggy Creek monster. I just think it is a Bigfoot, but he is deceptively throwing people off the track and he is wearing <gasps> three-toed track shoes. Oh, you know what? That right? That's that's it. That has to be it. It's smart if you think about it that way. If you're as a Bigfoot trying to make humans not know that you exist, what better way than to hoax them? Of course. Of course hoax them. We're riding around looking for a boggy creek monster, a three-toed cryptid. Give give the people what they want. He is he or she or they, whoever Bigfoot is, is leaning in. And I did it. So that's the Boggy Creek Monster, a.k.a. the Swamp Stalker, a.k.a. the Falk Monster. There is a whole Falk Monster Mart in Falk, Arkansas. Like a store? A whole store dedicated to it. You can buy trinkets and doodads and they got like replicas and all that fun stuff. That's your local legend. And I don't think we've done a story from Arkansas yet. I could be wrong. I We've only been doing it for so. 23 weeks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have. I don't think I have anyway. This is the first time I've done an like an Australian story. I don't think that's true. Or news news well, Australia. New Zealand. And, yeah. Down under. You you did a story from down under. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was great. I love it. I love it, Cryptid. Thank you. I liked the fact that I immediately thought, no, this is just Bigfoot trying to hoax them. Wearing, yeah. no, I just was I think, picturing Bigfoot wearing those kinds of like shoe tracks. I think that's incredible, and I want to write that comic book. Yes, he spends all that time doing what, <laughs> like, the deceptive Sasquatch, where humans most of the time make their footprints by wearing Bigfoot impression uh-huh. right. shoes or like snow. Um, Snowshoes, that kind yeah. of deal. The, uh, Bigfoot is doing that right back to them, giving yeah, them a taste of their own medicine. Just having a good time. I'm here for it. I absolutely am. Or it could just be bears it. and I like crazy people. Think it's bears. Why not? It could, be, it, it could be bears, but I don't want it to be bears. I want it to be this the bog stalker or whatever it was. The swamp stalker. Swamp Stalker. I like Bucker. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, look at us, babe. Episode 23. 23. I enjoy you so, and I enjoy our oh. times together. I enjoy you so, too. And <laughs> our time. Tee. To well, who? Can, can thou remindest the listeners of where <laughs> they can find us? Yes, Kevith. Uh <laughs> You can find us um, on social media at Creepy Inquiries Pod. Yep. Um, on Facebook and Instagram. And then our, you can send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. Sure. You can find us on our website. You can look at our show notes and our sources and everything on our website at creepyinquiriespod.com. Did I miss anything? No, I think those are all the places that we are accessible to people. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for tuning so thank- in. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening for the 23rd time or the first time. Yeah, or the first um, time. Yeah, whatever, wherever you are on your journey. 
Yeah, maybe this is the first time you actually made it through a full episode. Thank you. Thanks. Well, until next week, we cannot wait to give you more fun stories. Creepy stories. Good.